shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit Welcome show. back to Shit Show Saturday. We're joined by Shit Show Jen. Howdy. Hello. Hey. I feel like you've been around for quite a while. Yeah, I started listening to your podcast two years ago. And, um, but I lurked for a really long time. Like I was in your Patreon, but I think I started like coming to groups what in like October or November, but really like slowly and tentatively. And, uh, yeah. Now you're in. Now I'm in. So song you already told me, but tell everyone else. Yes. Uh, changes by black Sabbath. nice solid choice uh what were the other what were the other uh friends? oh there's so many so tracy chapman fast car feels really really uh appropriate um i wanted to go with any deftone song because i just got to see them recently um and then i saw matchbox 20 recently too so i was like maybe unwell by matchbox 20 but um, Ozzy Osbourne's boy voice has to win. Like, you can't have an email address of mine and and not have Ozzy on here. How so. how is Rob Thomas these days? <laughs> He's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> super healthy. He put on a great show. I was amazed. I was really impressed. Where was it in Reno? Yeah, it was in Reno. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay, carbohydrate. All right, we're tortillas. Any chip, no matter what diet I was on, what restriction I was on, I Mexican food is my daily food. So that is your daily food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am also gluten sensitive, so bread. I'm not really sorry, guys. Not a bread person, but bread just makes me more unwell. For, more for us. Yes. What have you had today that's Mexican? Um, my breakfast was a huevos, uh, kind of a rancheros. So it was breakfast. It was like refried beans and cheese and salsa. <laughs> so I pretty much don't go a day without a taco or something. So are you going to say like queso fresco or cheddar or Monterey Jack <laughs> for your cheese? Uh, probably a mild cheddar Tillamook cheese is neat, but not the bag cheese. I know you like the bag cheese, but like, I like to... Sh- great the cheese myself so I just like to have a bag so I can like use it as a purse later you know <laughs> it's really cute but yeah <laughs> but yeah I'm not like into fancy but yes a good queso is nice um a good mozzarella you know it's nice but have you had queso fundido no I have not so fucking good um and then you're gonna say salsa or hot sauce of course <laughs> that's fine <laughs> I don't have like, yeah, salsa or hot sauce. And really the more authentic it is. So like there's a couple of taco trucks in my neighborhood and I, and the more authentic Mexican salsa it is, the spicier it is, the better, but I've had to kind of chill out on the spiciness because my body is, is fighting back. So. A green or red? You know, I used to be a red, but right now I'm enjoying the green. So how did you learn that you were an adult child? So... I've like always known, like my, I say all of my parents, cause my mom, my dad and my stepdad were all alcoholics. And even as a young child, I was very aware of how much they were drinking. Um, but I read adult children of alcoholics back in 2017, that book. And it was, you know, Janet's just book? another, what was that? Jan- the Janet Wotitz one. 
Yeah, I think so. I read that, but I didn't, like, I read it, but I'm very scared of people, right? So, right, isn't that on the laundry list? And so I read it in 2017. And then in um, 2021, I was working with a nutritionist, and she was like, oh, you're an adult child. And it was like I'd never heard it before. Like I was like I'd read the book, but I was like, "Oh, tell me more about that." And so, <laughs> and then I uh, joined a Facebook group uh, for adult children of alcoholics, and lurked, lurked, and lurked, and you know, really felt like, okay, this all fits. And then um, somebody told me about in that group told me about your podcast, and then I was like, I've never had a unique personality trait in my whole life. I am. Um, in the dictionary next to the adult <laughs> child. <laughs> Would you say that you've had an adult child bottom? It. I've been trying to like pick one. I feel like I've had so many, but I think it's since I became sober, like right around that time where I stopped drinking and I probably had to start learning how to feel my feelings that um, that would be it. Like, but it's really hard for me because I feel like I've had a lot of downs and ups and downs and ups, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Do you consider yourself an alcoholic? I, it's so interesting. Cause like when I gave up alcohol, I, I, I would, it's hard for me just to go. Yes. Right. Cause I've definitely an addictive personality, but when I gave up alcohol, it was like, kind of came from a really codependent space. So my mom had gotten into a lot of uh, legal trouble. And she ended up going to jail and basically to get, she went into drug court instead of prison. And so in support of her, I decided to stop drinking. And I had planned initially just to quit for a month. And right around that time, I was really heavily involved in my local yoga community. And there was a uh, recovery-based yoga class that my friend taught. And honestly, I initially started going just because it like worked with my schedule and I wanted to support my friends and it just like lined up right with this time where I was like, I couldn't rescue my mom. I couldn't bail her out anymore. Um, Like literally like I had bailed her out of jail prior and um, her bail was $160,000 and I couldn't bail her out. So I initially told myself that I didn't have a problem. And I would go to these groups and then I was like, wait a second, I do (laughs) very much. And then even in my sobriety, like even since I quit drinking, sometimes I'll think, man, it would be a lot cheaper to drink because my shopping addiction is pretty bad or my working (laughs) addiction is pretty bad or I'm obsessed with this thing now. And so I definitely feel like an addict, but I think most of the people when I quit drinking were like, oh, you didn't have a problem. You were fine. You know, cause it was even that I always tried to have it really controlled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular scene from your childhood that you feel like sums up your experience? Which one? So just cause I love music. Why Tracy Chapman fast car, right? So, um, back in like 1987, 1988, um, my I think it was Mother's Day and there was a huge fight Mother's Day was the worst growing up so my stepfather Mm -hmm. my sister would fight my sister is uh seven years older than me is it just you two 
Well, I have a lot of siblings, but the primary one that I grew up with is my sister. Like I say my sister, but no offense to my other <laughs> sisters, but it was her and I. I have an older stepbrother that I'm close to now. And then I have three younger sisters and a younger brother, but I didn't really get to know my younger siblings until I was an adult. But growing up, it was basically my stepdad, my mom, and my sister, but you know. Um, but my sister and my stepfather used to fight horribly. And um, he had like pushed her off of this really, in my brain, it was like a really high porch. Like I thought it was like six feet tall. It was probably four, it was still too tall, but he pushed her off the porch. Mm. And it was just one of those really, really bad fights. And my mom and my sister and I ended up getting in the car and we drove we're in Oregon. That's where I lived at the time. And we drove to the next little small town over. And I was really like in my head, like Tracy Chapman's fast car was playing. Like I understood that song at like six or seven years old. And, um, so the lights were, they're going through the lights and I was just hoping we would leave. Like, I just didn't want us to go back. And then there was the U-turn and just having to go back. And, going back to that home that was just terrifying um so I think like I've had therapists tell me that developmentally I couldn't have understood what was going on at that time but I had a very uh, huge awareness that it was wrong and um I remember I lived out in the like there's this uh, town called Camas Valley Oregon it's like where Christmas trees are grown <laughs> it's this beautiful like countryside and I remember standing out in the field because we lived like on the, in the middle of this like hay field and being like, this has to stop. Mm-hmm. Like I knew as a child, like the domestic violence and I, I thought alcohol was to blame for every single problem my family had. Mm. Um, there was a lot of problems, poverty and uh, violence, but I really felt like I never thought I would drink because I was so against alcohol. So, Do you remember when you had the realization of alcohol being such a important character? Yeah, I feel like that night it was huge, but I also like, um, I was really aware of money. Like I was aware of how much my family was spending on alcohol. And um, I actually didn't really get a like allowance, but I made money by recycling all of our beer cans. And that was a lot of beer cans. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so if you ever like moved and you had those big like um, garment boxes where you can like hang your clothes, yes. those were like the kind of boxes that we would use and those would just get filled up. So it was like my job, but like, I remember asking my mom, like, why do you drink, you know? And unfortunately one time when I asked her mm-hmm. that, she she like equated it to how I ate food because I my relationship with food as a child was I comforted myself with food but when she said that to me it felt really hurtful but she wasn't wrong like she but I was like I have to have food you don't have to have alcohol you know um but I don't know if I answered your question okay no I think you did I was just asking what you became was there discussions in the home about like stopping drinking or that people needed to get sober yeah that was like never gonna happen right so when I would come home and they weren't drinking they would be drinking like Kool-Aid 
remember people drink Kool-Aid. Do people still drink Kool-Aid? Just the sugar and a flavor? I don't know. And there was never like, we're going to slow down. But like when my mom would try to slow down her drinking, my stepfather would kind of pressure more drinking. Um, but I remember even like as an adult, like during the last years of my mom's life, I would have therapists do like inner child work with me. Mm-hmm. And they would try to like walk me through like, oh, would somebody come in and help your mom get sober? And I'm like, yeah, that's just not even in the scope. Yeah, it was not going to happen. Like my family didn't trust doctors. They, you know, my mom, she, she was able, she quit. So she was also a drug addict too. And she was able to quit meth. Like she quit meth, cold turkey meth. Like she didn't go to like rehab and help from other people that's not something you do in my family, you know? And even like, yeah, but was she drinking though while she got off of it? Oh yeah. Yeah. She'll keep drinking. And, and then like, it was always kind of minimizing like, oh, well, I'm not drinking straight up vodka, like gallons of vodka. I'm just drinking beer, you know? Um, there was always kind of a minimizing, um, of her drinking. There was one, about a year so when she got in trouble and she and I quit drinking and and she was in drug court there was about a year where she got sober ish right like the most sober like maybe a beer or two rather than a case of beer um and there was like actually a period of a year where I felt felt like I had my mom like I got to know this person because she had never been lucid what year how old are you then um, that was back in, I was like 35, 35. So I'm 42 now. So it was about right around the time that I got sober. But when she um, started drinking heavily again, I just like, I looked into her eyes and I was just like, life was just too painful for her to be sober. Mm-hmm. Like it was just too painful. And I I had to have compassion for her because I had always had such like anger towards Mm -hmm. her drinking and her but I remember um she we had about a year of her sobriety and it was actually a week or two after she graduated drug court and we were all celebrating like mother's day my birthday and my niece's birthday and I went out to the where she lived and um I just knew immediately that she was never going to be sober again and um but probably the most help she ever got was probably like any, you know, required court support through drug court. Mm. I know for you, you've been married, you have a wonderful Mm -hmm. partner. As you entered adulthood, how do you see your adult child issues manifesting? Yeah. So, um, people pleasing and like early on in my marriage, well, first, I was not the nicest of partners. I was trying to ask my husband, like, what do you think my emotional bottom was? <laughs> like, he's like, the first year we were married, I was like, that was really rough. But I don't know if that was the, the, the worst one. Um, so he's a wonderful, amazing person and super, super patient. And I just, I'm amazed at like that we're together. Like a lot of times it, like, it doesn't make sense. Like hmm. just, just statistically, I feel like the partner I should have is like, should have been like my dad or my stepdad, you hmm. know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I think early on the way it showed up was not being a healthy partner to my partners 
Um, I look back, I'm currently um, writing and working on my memoir. And then I look back to my relationships prior to my husband. And even with my husband, like I'd always told myself that like I was the victim and they were the villains. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they're avoidant or I'm clingy or, or whatever. I'm anxiously attached or it, and now I look back and I'm like, oh goodness, like any relationship I would have, I would suck the life out of or try to control. So in my relationships, like I just, I have a saint of a husband. Like <laughs> I just, um, I feel very gracious grateful that I have, like, he's still human. I mean, he has his flaws, but they're very minimal. Um, so in relationships, I think I have struggled and I just got really lucky that I chose a good one mm -hmm. um and I also listened to good friends of mine who like I'd always choose certain partners and I remember friends of mine were like hey what about this guy you know this guy is safe like what about him you know and sometimes the safe one can feel kind of boring and so I had to kind of work through that other ways that um my adult child shows up is like workaholism uh, perfectionism. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've been really thinking a lot about people pleasing and just being what that does to a person. Like I've been working on trying to be more authentic and I think your group allows for that um, and encourages that. But for so long, um, my safety depended on being a people pleaser, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um. So the, and no, not having boundaries for so long was really huge, but I, I think, I mean, everything on the laundry list, I could, I can see that it's been a part of my life, but. Mm -hmm. Have there been any like pivotal aha moments that you've had through writing your memoir? Yeah. So just to kind of back up. So, um, recently you had a guest and they used um, the example of, of healing in a month and I was triggered <laughs> and I shared about it in the group and somebody in the group reached out to me and shared some very deep things about what they had experienced in their own childhood. And I hadn't been working because I've been trying to write my book for as long as I could write. Like since I was like, my mom gave me a journal when I was six years old and I've been journaling and trying to write. And I was such a quiet, introverted kid. And so writing is like, a lot of times I don't verbalize things very well, but I think I can eventually write things well. So somebody in the group had shared with me um, their very personal story and it made me get my laptop out and just start writing and writing and writing. And I actually shared a rough draft um, with five people. One was with, um, like my husband, my therapist and three close friends. And I'm working on the second editing of it. And my therapist is like, you're just trying to make sense of your life. That is why, not to minimize it, but that is what I am processing right now. And it really helps me kind of look back um, and I think that aha of like, not in a self-deprecating way, but to realize like, I'm not always the victim, mm. you know, sometimes, sometimes I've been the hurtful one. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's always something new and it's just kind of allowed me to heal and continue to heal. And even just sharing with those five people 
was huge uh-huh. because I was taught not to talk about any of this, not to, you know, you don't talk, you don't share, you don't, you don't do any of that. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't know. I have to write it without this intention of publishing. Like I have to write it just to write it. Um, but I, everybody's been really supportive. I had actually shared a, a small chapter with my, my older brother thanking uh-huh. him. And I, I was nervous to like, oh gosh, what if he's like, don't talk about our family secrets. And his response was, I want an autographed copy, you know, a signed copy. And I was like, oh, that's so kind, you know, there's a lot that comes up and I think it'll continue to, to come up, you know? So what does your relationship look like with your family now? So, um, after I've had a lot of distance from them, like after my mom passed and my dad passed because both my dad and my mom passed within the last five years. Um, I've had a lot of distance. Like, I think like, you know, when you have, um, like my mom, it was kind of like always like kind of triangulating, like pulling you back into the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my sister, right, right around the time that our father died, she kind of went through her like midlife crisis and left her marriage. And, um, I've distanced myself well, I haven't just, she's distanced herself and I've just allowed that to be really. And once my mom passed away, um, as devastating and as sad and as much grief as I have, there's also been a lot of relief because that codependence of being pulled into the addiction over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And my nieces and nephews, like on that side, like they're adults now, like they're 24 and 28 and they're trying to start their own families. Um, but for me at this current moment, it is the healthiest for me to have some distance there. Um, my older brother, we're more likely, you know, we can go months without talking, but, um, you know, a text here or there is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like your relationship is transformed with your husband as you've been going through this journey? My husband, like, I feel like I'm always going through a journey. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm always like doing some sort of healing modality and he loves it. He's supportive of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm kinder to him and like, he's one of my biggest cheerleaders. Like, I cannot imagine I see, I work with people who are in abusive relationships and I cannot imagine being in an abusive relationship. Like he's just the, my biggest cheerleader when it comes to working through this. And he's also sometimes like, I've started to listen to some of the episodes and like have him listen too. And then he's starting to see some of his own stuff in his own family. And he's able to kind of articulate and talk about that as well. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. What, what was his upbringing like? Um, I always thought he was a normie, but (laughs) like, I really thought he was a normie, but like, I was having a conversation with him because his dad, his dad was a traveling business guy. His dad traveled all over. His dad grew up in like Bangladesh and he was like a Christian missionary. And like when I first met his parents, I thought for sure that they were going to just see like all of my sin because they were so Christian and I'm not. And they were just, I really thought that they would see that. 
but his dad traveled a lot and his mom was a stay-at-home mom and they like didn't go anywhere or do anything and so they did a lot of things around the home and I was asking my husband the other day I was like so what was your how did you learn how to swim did you go to the swim did you go to the park and stuff and he's like oh we didn't do those things like we didn't you know so I always told myself the story that his family was like normal and healthy and my family was dark and sinful and and um so I was going on with him like about the well that's really you didn't have that childhood experience and he's like well at least my parents didn't try to kill me like in a funny way like he we laughed about it um and I was like wait what do you mean my parents <laughs> tried to kill me and he's like the number of times they were driving drunk with you in the car mm -hmm. like the you know the all of the different things that you know that you need a whole book to describe, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> when you've been writing it, have there have, have there been any things that you feel you remember differently or anything like yes. that? So there's like a lot that I would write. Like my husband, when he read it, he's like, there's three different people who wrote this book. Like I've, mm -hmm. I've transformed. And like, I was really mad that I didn't finish it prior to 2020 because the pandemic, I think changed all of us. And I remember being like upset. Uh -huh. But there are things that I would write, like, so was, I tend to write when I'm feeling like a lot of emotion and there were things that I wrote that I was like, I don't remember that happening, but I wrote it. So it must've happened. So, um, but, and, and like having to trust it, but there's also like periods of time. Like I went through this super spiritual, like kind of yoga guru time and like reading those chapters. I'm like, what was I saying? Like, I just felt like it was word salad, like all over the place. And so it's like hard to like allow that to be a part of my journey. Cause now I'm like, what? Who is this person? Is I don't know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. What does your spiritual life look like now? So I tend to go like extremes. I either believe in everything or nothing, but over since the pandemic, I transitioned into hiking. So very much nature, very much getting out um into the outside and allowing just nature just to be and it, it's really interesting because as a kid that was my safe place too was just being outside you know um I, I it's hard though because sometimes like when I'm really really stressed or really really sad like my you know I'll believe in ghosts or I'll believe in mediums or I'll believe in you know my dead relative is trying to send me a message, but then on a regular day to day, I'm like, am I agnostic, you know? Um, but right now it just really looks like trying to find a balance between those two extremes. And I think finding peace in nature is usually the best place I can be in. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite memoir that you've ever read? Oh my gosh. Well, I can't say this is my favorite, but it is my most pivotal. Mm -hmm. So when I was 14 or 15, um, I played volleyball and I would go, you know, we would all read on these long, cause we lived out in the middle of nowhere. So on these long bus trips and one of the books that was handed to me was Dave Pelzer's The Child Called It. Did you read that one? Mm -mm. So it is, um, it was a huge book in the nineties. Um, and it was his story of his childhood abuse. And that's, I, I read the book in one sitting. It's really rough. It's really raw. It's kind of written from his childhood self. So the language, the, the tone of it, 
But reading that book actually helped guide me in my life uh-huh. because I saw somebody survive a horrific situation. And um, it kind of inspired me to kind of go into the work that I do in being a helper and also just wanting to write the book. But when I, um, so it was a child called it, he has many bit books. Um, his demeanor in life has changed over the years. So, so I don't really follow him now because he's sometimes can be a little, a little rough, a little, you know, just pull like yourself negative? up by the bootstraps, okay. like negative. And sometimes I'm in with that and sometimes I'm not, but he had a series. There wasn't just um, the child called it, but he had like a man named Dave. And there was like three or four different books that I really loved. And I actually got to meet him right around the time I graduated from college and was really grateful to him. But I, I love with memoirs. Like I, I, I can't think of one that I haven't liked, um, but they're all, I'm a sucker for a good story. Well, the biggest, the biggest bummer was like when we realized that what's his face was like fucking lying in a million little pieces. What a fucking yeah. asshole. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> so fucked up. It's so, it maybe I think I stopped reading my bar for a minute after that. that I bad. had read it, I want to say a, a couple years before it, the lie came out. I was uh, like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Addict. So do you want to talk about your work at all? Um, I mean, I, I can't go into like detail, but I have an amazing job. Like I've, I've worked with children and families for over 20 years. Um, but I work with survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking. I'm usually with people on their worst days of their life. Um, and I love what I do, but it definitely, I've had to work a lot on, you know, going from vicarious trauma to vicarious resiliency, Mm. like really my self-care is, um, I work and I do self-care. That is my life. Um, and I'm, I just, I love what I do. I wish I could talk more about what I do, but I, I don't want to run the risk of ever, um, sharing somebody's story that is not mine to share, you know? Yeah. Okay. So three things that you like about yourself. Ah, oh, it's fun. <laughs> um, oh, I had to like write them down so I wouldn't forget. Now that's on the phone. I love that I um, am loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, very loyal. Sometimes a little too loyal, but I love that I'm loyal. I love that I never have given up, even though I've wanted to give up. I just love that I I won't give up. Um, I love my sense of humor. It's kind of dark. Um, I don't think most of course it is. Of course, you are part of the community. I mean, I think you kind of have to have a sense of humor. Yeah, sometimes I have a poker face, so people would be quite surprised. My husband and I have a joke (laughs) that is like they would never believe me, like if he were to repeat some of the things that I say Mm -hmm. at home. But yeah, I like my, I, that's one thing I do like about my upbringing is I was given a very um, dark sense of humor. So I like uh-huh. that. <laughs> I think that was three. Loyal sense yeah. of humor. And what was the other one? Oh gosh. Um, I don't give up. You don't. Okay. Yeah. And what is a hope or dream for your future? <sighs> just to find joy. Like mm-hmm. I, I just joy. Like I, 
you know, I recently went for a goal and I was rejected. Mm. Um, and I had to sit with that. And I'm grateful for that rejection because I think I needed to know that the rest of my life does not have to be about trauma. Mm. It can be about joy. And I think that mm-hmm. is anything I can do to just find joy um, is. Uh, mm. That's awesome. Well, I'm so grateful to know you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I've been thinking about talking to you <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Thanks for being so honest. What you holding on to? Just let it all go. What's making you slow now? Just let it all go.